All right. We don't want to uh, we don't want to be remiss because with the uh, the commitment that uh, facilitating Tuesday nights requires, it's actually a team effort. So if you haven't had a chance to meet Randy's better half, that's Tracy right over there. Yes. So blessed by both of them, and again the commitment that's required. Um, to serve the Lord, it really involves a family, and she comes faithfully, and she's just as ready and prepared uh, as anyone. So, uh, so thank you, Tracy, as well, to, and to Randy. Uh, and then Bill also uh, just want to expand a little bit. You know, we've always said this is not my church. This is the Lord's church, and he's, he's always got things moving that, that sometimes you don't know about. And uh, this summer, we've been really praying even towards the fall. Lord, what are you doing? We need leaders and, and you know. And it's just, I love how God works because as he's identifying and raising up Randy uh, to take over Tuesdays, uh, he puts on our heart as a leadership team collectively the heart for men's ministry. And, you know, we've had, we've had kind of starts and stops, and it's, it, it does happen. We have a, a wonderful men's ministry. It's more at the relational level. Uh, guys are connected. Um, but the programmatic side, you know, we've, we've had things in the past. But our heart has been, Lord, you know, what, what's your will for men's ministry? Uh, but, of course, that fundamentally requires a point person, a facilitator, a leader. And uh, just even through my discussions with Bill and prayer this this summer, uh, lo and behold, God had put that on his heart. Uh, But because of the commitment of Tuesdays, uh, he was a bit hamstrung and and couldn't do both as well as he would like, or we just felt the timing. We just had to wait. We just had to wait. Sometimes, how many of you ever had a, you sought the Lord and he just says, wait, let me me work on some things. And so uh, this is the summer. Randy stepping into Tuesdays and in the fall, Bill's kicking off men's ministry, and we're excited about that. We are genuinely excited, and again, it's just a testimony, even as a church, learning to wait on the Lord, trusting God in his timing and his provision. And that's really kind of a heartbeat of this series on prayer that we've been going through. This is week four. Uh, If you're visiting, uh, welcome, welcome. Sometimes people say, you know, especially this happened when we were with the Wesleyan Church, people would say, hey, how come... How come when you start your, your sermons, how come you do this review thing, right? Because if you were raised in the church, it's usually like the pastor's supposed to go up and just give you something fresh. It's like, well, you know, and, and I get that. I understand that. And I actually probably had said that or felt that in the past, except when you're on my side. And typically what happens, if you didn't know, um, from you may not be aware, it usually takes about a month for everybody to cycle through here. So even if you come faithfully for four weeks in a row, what's happening behind you is a cycle. And it takes about a month for people to kind of cycle through. And we understand that things happen, traveling, kids, you know, people get sick or whatever. So it takes about a month to cycle through or we always get visitors. And, and I always feel like it's important for me to do a little bit, come back a little bit, because I like to do this. I like to, it's kind of like I put my arm around everyone that wasn't here and say, hey, this is what we talked about. So that when you come in to today's, you're feeling a little more part of the conversation, right? Anyone ever come up to two people talking? And by golly, you appreciate when they bring you up to speed a little bit. Anyone? Right? Versus just kind of standing like, like really? That's good. And you have no clue what they're talking about. You have no context. There's no, there's no connection. So what I like to do Sundays is I like to come back a little bit. Bring us up to speed. If, it, if you were here last Sunday or if you're caught up on the online, awesome. Just kind of look at it like a little review. 
uh, if it's new, it's just designed to kind of get you a little comfortable and, and kind of say where we've been as a church family. But we're not in a rush around here. Just in case, you know, the way we do American church, man, it's like a lot of pressure. Ah, oh, you know, it's got to be something new every week, something new every week, something new every week. And on our side of the pulpit here, we're like, what did you do with last week's? What did you do with last week's? What did you do with last week's? You know, truth be known, I could probably change the same message, preach it four different times in a month. It'd be like, wow, that was a great series. No, it was the same exact message four times because that's what it takes. Right. Right. So so there's always this tension. Give us something new. Give us something new. And I'm like, what'd you do with it? What are you doing with it? What are you doing with it? Give us something new. I'm like, so we've learned to try to hit some middle ground. And, and honestly, I've also come to the, the place after 20 plus years of this. Um, you know, I'm just the messenger. God, I pray every Sunday that God will speak to you through his word, through his Holy Spirit. He knows where you are with him. He knows what you brought through the doors. He knows what you're going through. I can only just faithfully, rightfully, to the best of my ability, um, tell you what he's saying through his word. So I kind of release that. Uh, it's taken a years for me to get used to just finding this pace, this pace, because it would be much easier for me to just give you something new. But then, then I would just be talking at you, and we would just be getting stuff done. Uh, my heart really, even through this series on prayer, we cannot race through learning to biblically pray. It, I have been challenged by it. The teaching of it and then the application of it in my own life, man, I had to slow way down. I have to slow way down. Even to think about the very first word now I say when I go to quote-unquote pray. Even, you know, as we've seen, redefining prayer. Do I even know what it is? My goodness, I've been in ministry almost 30 years. And Lord, have I been sort of just coming at you with ritualization and saying things that are just just because I'm supposed to. And, and we've talked about that. So anyway, a welcome. This is where we are. We're excited about what the Lord's doing here through this series. We're excited about what he's going to do into the fall. So why don't we do this? We've been doing this um, kind of different, different things every Sunday. Why don't we stand and we're going to actually recite together what is traditionally known as the Lord's Prayer. Let's stand together. It'll come up on the screens, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Let's stand together and let's read this. Ready? Begin. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right, you may be seated. Thank you. We actually recited that at the memorial yesterday. And, and the, the title of this series, uh, maybe on your sermon notes, is it's a question. Are you praying or just saying? Right? And even answering that, because we just, we just said what is traditionally known as the Lord's Prayer. Really, it should just be the disciples' prayer, because that is birthed out of a question. The disciples had seen Jesus pray. When he was done praying, they said, hey, can you teach us to pray? And so he gives them a model prayer in Luke 11 and expanded version in Matthew 6 as part of the Sermon on the Mount. Right? And so we're asking, are you praying or just saying? And I asked the same question last Sunday, so I'll, I'll do it again. How many of you prayed this morning in some way, shape, or form? 
Okay, you prayed. Now, did, were you praying or just saying? Because there's a world of difference. Because we just said a prayer from Matthew 6. But did we pray? Was that a, did we pray? Were we praying when we read that? Or were we just saying? Because a lot of us who maybe have grown up in the church, maybe even memorize that. I memorize that, the, the church tradition I came from in the Roman Catholic Church. I knew that probably right after I could talk. I, I know that. I still know that, right? But even growing up in the Roman Catholic Church, a lot of it was just saying. I wasn't praying. I was just saying. And even in the, even in the evangelical church, a lot of us, uh, through repetition mostly and familiarity, sometimes our quote-unquote quiet time is more just saying. Is it really praying? Is it, did you really pray this morning? Or did you just say things to father and say well see you later have a good day see you tomorrow right i was talking with garrett uh, this morning here uh, in the office and, and garrett has a wonderful relationship with his dad i've met his dad a super great guy but imagine garrett every morning he walks into his dad's room and says good morning father later the next day he comes in. Good morning, Dad. Da, 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 da. Later, the exact same words. Imagine if Garrett went to his dad every morning and said the exact same thing and walked out. How would that, how would that really resonate with his dad, not Garrett? Think about that. Garrett might feel like, oh, I had my quiet time with my dad. What would you do? I went in, and every day I say this to my dad. And then I walk out. Do you ever let him talk? No. I say the exact same thing every day. I walk in 6.30, say the exact same thing, and I walk out. It's an incredible quiet time. Wouldn't that be kind of strange to call that prayer, to call that relationship, to call that really communication? And yet, how many of us kind of in the past have been guilty of that? But we, we, you know, we call it quiet time, daily devos, where a lot of times we're coming and we're saying a lot that way, and we say in Jesus' name, and we, we're done, and we kind of check it off. Quiet time, done. Right? And if, if you're like, oh, man, oh, ooh, ouch. I've had ouch moments as I've really reflected on that. And we talked uh, way when we, when we started that it, a, a lot of it may be, okay, this is not with anyone with any ill intent. A lot of it is just how pick, we, what we picked up. We just picked it up in the church. Well, this is how my mom and dad prayed. This is how my Bible study prayed. This is how my friends prayed. I guess that's what we're supposed to do, right? So you just kind of picked it up and you just kind of mimicked people. But you never stopped to say, wait a sec, am I doing this biblically? Is this actually the way it's supposed to be done? Right. For many of you, our discussion a couple the last couple of weeks about the phrase "in Jesus' name." What if you don't say it at the end? What if you don't end your prayer within Jesus' name? Does it still count? Seriously, there's anxiety in the church if you don't end the prayer with 
In Jesus' name, amen. Right? I serve you. How many of you have been in a prayer circle where someone did not say, in Jesus' name, and it meant it felt awkward? Anyone? Like, and like in your head, you say it for them. <laughs> Father, rookie, in Jesus' name. Let me cover the rook. Do you need to say, in Jesus' name? Okay, I'm going to let you, I'm going to offer that as as a question. Do you need to say in Jesus' name to validate your prayer? You don't. It's not superstitious magic formula. It's not the Christian version of hocus pocus. But a lot of people get that way. A lot of people in Jesus' name is hocus pocus. Right? It's not, and it's not, it's not. Like, ill, like, oh, you were doing something bad intentionally. You just didn't know. A lot of you just didn't know, right? When, you, when we looked at this, and let me just do this real quick as a review. In Jesus' name is this. It's from Hebrews. It says Jesus is our high priest because he's our high priest. When you put your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, he becomes your high priest positionally. Hebrews says through our high priest, we have access to the throne of grace 24-7-365. Amen? Right? So here's the deal. If he is here as a believer, and that's Father's throne of grace, and he's just kind of living in fear and trepidation, a little bit scared in the morning if he can come talk to Father, when he says, in Jesus' name, what, what in Jesus' name, the picture is like, Father, Father, he's with me. He's with me. He's good. Come, 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 come. Let's talk to Father together. See, when you, come, when you say in Jesus' name, what you're doing is you're affirming that as a believer in Christ, you're in Jesus, so you have access to the throne. Amen? Amen. Isn't that incredible? So here's the great thing. It's not just him. So, so like, it's just this thing. Like, and, and Father? Father? She can come too. She's good with me. And she's good with me. Not so sure. He, but he's, she's good with me. <laughs> right? Anyone in here? If you're good with Jesus as Lord and Savior, the radical thing is you go to the throne of grace in his name. Amen? Amen. That's why you can come. That's what it says. You can come with confidence. Because coming to the throne has nothing to do with you. You receive God's grace. You were saved by his grace. You're put into Jesus. You have access to the throne of grace only because of Jesus. So if you're going to say in Jesus' name, it would probably be more appropriate to put it at the front of your prayer. Does it make sense now? Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you in prayer. You see the difference? You're affirming biblical truth. Father, I'm coming to your throne. Father, I'm allowed to speak to you. I have the privilege to speak to you in Jesus' name. I'm affirming who he is, Jesus, and I'm affirming that I'm in Christ, and I'm affirming the biblical truth that I have access to your throne 24-7, 365, because of Jesus, my high priest. Amen? Okay, so hocus pocus, whammy bammy, all that stuff. And yet, some of you will say in Jesus' name by habit before you go to sleep tonight. You're going to say it. He's going to say it. Right? We were praying. (laughs) He says it all the time. We were praying in my office. We pray every Sunday before we come in here. And this, like, literally an hour ago, he didn't say it. And I went like this. Because he did not say in Jesus' name, like, dude, this sermon's going to be bad today. 
So I'm blaming you if this goes horribly wrong because you didn't say in Jesus' name. But we get that way. In the church, we get so tied up in knots and we're so afraid of messing up and Father being mad and waving the principal stick at us. No, come on, man. We have full access to the throne of grace only through Jesus. So come, as the Bible says, in confidence. Come in confidence, right? I love this quote. It says this, prayer is not manipulating God to get what we want, but discovering what he wants us to do, and then asking the Holy Spirit to enable us to do his will. Prayer is not a way to get what we want, but the way to become what God wants. And I love that because that is right in line when when Jesus begins teaching on prayer. He says, okay, let me start. First two things is how not to pray. Number one way not to pray, it's not about you. Don't stand up to be seen. Don't make a show. So number one prayer is not about you. And yet, honestly, guilty party here. Most of the time in my Christian walk, I was raised, I picked up, I mimicked. Prayer, and here's my laundry list. And here's, Father, all you can do to meet my needs and to further my agenda. Thank you very much. My prayer was me-centric, and God was supposed to meet my needs. It was about me. And Jesus is like, nope, first way not to pray, not about you. Second way, it's not about vain repetition. It's not just mindlessly, ritualistically repeating mantras or things over and over. It's not, it's not about that, right? In fact, the word pray, we saw the heart of the word pray, the actual meaning of pray is to come face to face with God. The Greek word pray the first part of that, the first part of prost uhomai, prost means come face to face. Right? Come face to face. How many of you have been in, in high school and you got the call slip to see the principal? Anyone? You're about to have a face to face. Remember? You, you, you understand that now, right? It's like, oh. And all the while over there, you're, you're experiencing emotion. You're experiencing your mind is racing because you're about to have a what? A face-to-face. Anyone ever get nervous for a job interview? Why do you get nervous? It's face-to-face. It's a face-to-face. Okay, so radical shift, deepening of your prayer life, maturing of your prayer life. Next time you think about praying, you're having a face-to-face. With the God of the universe. The God of the universe, through Jesus, my high priest, I'm about to have a face-to-face. It's like the ultimate call slip, but the best ultimate call slip because you're calling him. That's awesome, right? I love that. So it's, it's, it's the face-to-face, right? It's about relationship. Yesterday, uh, John Hall, some of you may know him. I met him when I first moved to community for junior high, I mean a uh, junior senior at Nordoff. Uh, great guy. Great guy. Um, so we did his memorial for his dad, Dwayne Hall, here yesterday. And, and John came up and just lovingly shared some, some incredible memories of his relationship with his dad. Just beautiful memories on the golf range, racing, uh, all kinds of wonderful relationships, right? Relationship building times. And, and I think of if we can reframe prayer as less programmatic, something we're supposed to do, and just more relationship, 
I think we're more on track with what Jesus was trying to get us to say. Get us to say from a relational point of view, right? Yesterday I shared, right, what are, how do you build a relationship? One of the key ways is just time. Just time, right? It just takes time. And, and yet in the Bible, there's two words for time. One is chronos, where we get the word chronological. So that deals with seconds, minutes, hours. We live on chronos. Like our church service starts at 10, goes to whatever, usually 1130. It's chronos. That's, that's, a, that's a, an actual quantitative description, right? Matthew 2, 7 says this. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time this star had appeared. So most of us are familiar with chronos, chronological use of time. In relational context, in, in loving one another, the other biblical word is kairos, right? In Romans 5, 6, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, Ephesians 5. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the what? Time, because the days are evil. That word is kairos. Now, the difference is qualitative. When you live your life with the view of kairos time, what you're seeing is this is a window of time, and I'm going to make the most of it. In fact, in the NIV, that Ephesians 5.15 says, making the most of every opportunity. So, for instance, you, most of you arrived 9.45. Most of you will leave about 11.45, let's just say. So, Kronos says you're here for two hours. Kairos says, what are you going to do to make the most of it? It's both. It's both. You see what I'm saying? So you live in our, in our planet on, as, as just a human. Most of us are chronos driven. Got to get to work. This is when I eat. This one I go sleep. So most of us live chronos driven, and we neglect kairos. We're not asking ourselves throughout the day, how do I make the most of this? 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 Right? And so in terms of prayer, for however long you can pray, have your quiet time, your daily devo, let's say it's 15 minutes. Nothing wrong with 15-minute quiet time. Except if you neglect, how do I make the most of this 15 don't just, a lot of us have, grade, have been raised where we just do our quiet time, chronos driven. This is what time, I, I got my quiet time at 5 a.m. And then when I'm done, I move on. It's chronos. Stop long enough to say, okay, I'm going to pray. And if you said, let's say 5 a.m. Lord, okay, I want to make the most of this. I want chronos and kairos. And that's really what Jesus is teaching in this model prayer, is how to kairos your time with Father. How to build a relationship, right? That's what he's talking about. It's chronos and kairos, okay? So in Matthew 6, it says, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. That's as far as we've gotten so far. So if prayer is relationship, right? Relationship is two people. So if you're going to really kind of break out of this programmatic, rote, ritualistic prayer, what you have to do is approach it, okay, I'm having a face-to-face. So this face-to-face is about who he is and who I am. There's two parties in this prayer time. Who he is 
and who I am. So if you look at this, Jesus' model prayer, we've talked about this, our Father in heaven. So if you're a believer, he's Father, and I'm child. Right? We just sang earlier, child of God. Think about that. Our Father, Jesus' model prayer is only for certain people on this planet. It's not a generic prayer. Only believers in Jesus can actually literally say our Father accurately. Our Father. So in this relationship, Father, I'm your child. I approach you as Abba. He said Abba, which is Papa, Daddy. It's a term of endearment. Right? The religious leaders of that day freaked when he said that. Don't talk to God like that. That's God. That's Yahweh. That's unapproachable. Only the high priest goes there once a year. What are you talking about, Jesus, to call him dad? Yeah, new covenant, amen? So in this relationship, this prayer time, you, you first and foremost say father. Now, many of you might say dear God. And I challenge you four weeks ago, change it to father and see what happens. And it was tough for some. See, God, dear God, and, and I'm, nothing, I'm, not, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but what I'm challenging you to do is say father, Father makes it personal. God keeps him busy with the universe. God keeps him way out there. Cosmos, you know, too busy for me. Hey, God, woo-hoo, dear God. I kind of get that. There's almost comfort because we don't want him too close. So, dear God, might be habit, might be something you picked up, might be tradition, but it also might be defense. If you say father, man, he just zings you, right? Family. It's family talk time. We're sitting around the table. We're, it's father. It's Abba. It's Papa. It's Daddy. Now, we talked about this again last week. That might be challenging for some, depending on your experiences with your earthly father. I get that. You got to hang in there and you got to work on it because you got to take your eyes off your earthly father and you got to look this way and celebrate who you are in Christ. That'll be part of your sanctification. That'll be part of your sanctification. You got to work through it. It's not a one out. That's why we can't move too quick, right? Our Father, right? And then he says here, How would be your name? Your kingdom come, your will be done. Okay, so he's king. He's still king of kings, he's still on the throne. And we're still subject to his will. Your rule and reign. Your will. I trust you. You want the best for me. You're my father, but you're king. So I still submit. Right? And then we saw last week, give us this day our daily bread. What is that saying relationally? You are provider. You are sustainer. And I need you. I need you. And last week we talked about how tough this phrase is. For a large part of the people sitting in this room. Because I don't, and I'm guessing, I'm I'm, I'm going to probably say like 98% of you did not wake up this morning wondering if you're going to eat. Did you wake up this morning and saying, Father, I really need you to provide something for me to eat today. You see, that's the context, the daily the, the, the wage workers in Jesus' time would get paid at the end of the day, and on the way home, they would buy bread. 
So I shared last week, the people in context of our culture who actually understand this more are the day laborers at Ace and Lowe's and Home Depot that wake up and walk there and hope that somebody needs something done around their house because that's how they get their daily bread. They're living in what? Dependence. And we have been raised to be what? Independent. Get your retirement plan. Right? Pay off your house. Pay off all debt. Nothing wrong with that stewardship principle, great stewardship principle, unless it makes you independent of God. Unless you get to the point where this is just saying and not praying. Because a lot of us here, you have plans for lunch and probably for dinner. I shared last week, you know, I was convicted about this as I'm working through it because stuff sits in our fridge so long it goes bad. Right? Or I shared, you know, in the morning, uh, my wife says, hey, what do you want for, din- uh, for, for breakfast? And usually she gives me two or three options, and it doesn't come into my mind to ask or ever be concerned if we have something for breakfast. And so this choice, okay, and this, this is hard for us here in this culture, the choice to, to say, Lord, I daily need you for everything. That's hard. Why? Because it's humbling. It's absolutely humbling. You might lose face because your whole life you were raised to be self-sufficient and a self-made woman and a self-made man. And I don't need anybody. And look at me. I made it. Why can't they make it? I don't need no handouts. I'm not that, 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 that. And suddenly I'm supposed to pray that. Pah! Give us this day our daily bread. Yell it. I'm good. I'm good. And that is the challenge for the church is to lose your dependence on God, right? You remember we looked at these verses in in the Old Testament. God warned his people. He said, I'm sending you to a a, a land flowing with milk and honey. It's going to be homes you didn't build. It's going to be all kinds of provisions that I'm giving you. And what did he say in Deuteronomy? He said, don't forget me. Don't forget me. Don't you dare forget me and don't you dare think that you did it. But what happened? They forgot him, and what did they do? Chased all the idols. They got there. They said, oh, this is so good. And then when they got less dependent on God, when they forgot that he was provider, they just went after all the idols and all the false gods and everything surrounding them. Kind of like the church can get if we're not careful. We forget him. We get prideful. Look at my, I grew my business. I bought my house. I bought my car. Did you? Did you? Right? There's these verses we looked at, and and we're just going to skip through. Proverbs 30, verse 7 says this. Two things I ask of you, deny them not to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you. And say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Pretty good, it's a pretty good prayer, right? Lord, check me. Uh, keep me living at the need level, right? And that's a biggie. Because how many of us, honestly, live at the want level? And because we live at the want level, we have extreme discontent. And want more, 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 more. That's why it's humbling for many 
of us, myself included, when we go take you to Tijuana and Ensenada. And you live with those people for a weekend even at the need level, at the straight up need level. And you go, oh, my gosh, I'm a king and a, I, I look like a king and a queen. And all the stuff that you were complaining about, just cross the border, drive back north four hours, and you stare at your stuff. I'm amazed. I, I was joking with Mark. I was helping Mark move a couch into a storage, storage uh, bin, storage garage. Imagine our culture. Millions and millions of dollars are made storing people's stuff. <laughs> Imagine. We have grown to the place where if we had known, I was joking with Mark, man, I got in the wrong line of business. All I had to do was put up four walls, a bunch of garages, and I could be making banks storing people's extra stuff. Just extra stuff. Right? So this give us this day our daily bread. The, the challenge for us last week was, are you living at the need level, honestly? Do you come to Father each morning and say, Father, I need you? And here's my encouragement. If you're fine um, materially, monetarily, don't limit give us this day our daily bread to your physical needs. Because God's will for you is your sanctification. God's will for you is to be holy as I am holy. So honestly, you could say, Lord, I need you today because I want to follow Jesus in everything today. And I need your grace for that. So, Lord, thank you for your abundant provisions. Thank you that I'm probably going to have three or four or five meals today. Thank you that I'm a comfortable car. Thank you for my house. Thank you for all that you've given me. But, Father, I recognize that I need your daily bread just to follow Jesus. I need your strength. I need your sufficient grace. I need the power of the Holy Spirit to be godly today. Amen? That's what you need to focus on. Give us our daily bread just to follow Jesus one day at a time. That's your prayer. That, that will keep you humble and dependent. If you have a desire to be godly and holy, that now takes on a new meaning. Father, today I need you. I need you. Right? And so John the Baptist, we saw this, you know. He says this, John answered, John three twenty seven. A person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given to him from heaven. Ooh. Think about that. Right now, just laundry list all your stuff. John the Baptist says a person cannot receive even one thing unless it is given him from heaven. Right? And then First Chronicles, they took this offering to rebuild the temple, and super abundant money came in, and gold and precious metals, and they're like, yeah, woo-hoo, kind of like us building the house. Woo-hoo, right? And what does, King, what does David say? Oh, Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. So even when we celebrate $7,000 coming to the house, who gave the 7000 The Lord. Right? It's all from him on the front end anyway. It's all from him. It is. And so we can celebrate that. We can come to him and say, give us this day our daily bread. And we could admit We need him, right? So turn to the person next to you and say, it's okay to be dependent on God. Go ahead. Just just 
just give permission. It's okay to be dependent on God. Right? Isn't that freeing? Right? Because a lot of us, even on church, how you doing? I'm good. How was your week? I'm good. How's your family? Fine. How's your marriage? Great. How's your kids? Angels. (laughs) Why? Because we're afraid to show imperfections. We're afraid to show our humanness. Right? We're We're afraid to admit this. You know? It, it's so funny, like, and we get so cliche, right? It's like, um, like this is the church. Hey, man, how you doing? Fine, right? And then I'll say this if we're not careful. Anything I can pray for you for? And he typically says, most of the time it's like, no, right? Most of the time it's, no, I'm good. But here's what can happen. He might say yes. Yeah. So if I say, hey, how you doing? Good. Is there anything I can pray for you? Oh, that's good. <laughs> it happens. It really does happen. He's actually going through something in his life. He's actually going to share a dependent need. Hey, can you pray for me? My kids are going crazy. Hey, I lost my job. Hey, I'm having health issues, right? But because in the church, we're so wired to not ever admit need, we assume no one has needs. So if I say, hey, is there something you can, I can pray for you? And he says, I'm like, okay, good. Thanks, brother. We don't stop because we're not used to sharing our needs, bearing one another's burdens. Right? So we just go right past each other. It's okay. We all should be praying, give us this day our daily bread. Because by golly, I got my stuff right now. You got stuff? You don't have to say, but you, you, right? We all got stuff. I bet there's people in this room right now that right now, literally the stuff knocks you to your knees. Give us this day our daily bread. Because we're the church and we all, it's plural. Did you notice that verse? Give us this day our. We all have it. We're all dependent. We all need his daily bread. We all do. Even the person sitting next to you. So just turn to them and say, I knew it. Just turn to them, just turn to, I knew it. I, you, I knew it. I knew it. It's a plural prayer, right? It's a plural prayer. So we admit our dependence, and, we, and when we do this, this is very important. That's the me part of this relational. Here's, the, here's, here's what might help us. you got to know who, who he is. Look at James 1.17. says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation, or shadow due to change. You know what? If you're struggling with, well, can I bring this to God? And, and, and is my father a giving father? Is my father a generous father? That says every good thing in your life comes from him. Every good thing comes from him. In his goodness, because his nature is, God is what? Good all the time. And all the time, that means that he only what? Gives you gives you good every good and perfect gift comes from him because he's good he cannot not give you good now that doesn't mean not good that doesn't mean circumstances are tough and that doesn't 
but you got to understand God's nature being good. He only gives you good. He wants to give you good. You're his child for crying out loud. He wants to give you good. And then this, this word right here, it says coming down. Okay, kind of get a little bit grammatically. That's what they call a present participle. You know what that means? All the time, nonstop. All the time, nonstop, he wants to be giving you good. He never cuts the flow off. His desire is always, 24-7, 365, he wants to be giving you good. That kind of lights me up. You guys, okay, but that, that lights me up. That lights me up. But that again, right, you're challenged with that. Because some of you might have grown up in homes where it was like conditional and you didn't know if you could talk to your dad because you needed five bucks and you didn't know if he was going to yell at you. And like, can I ask him for five bucks, you know, and, you know, you know, whatever. You might have these human things that you're like, I don't know if I can ask him for that. I don't know if I can ask him that. That verse says all the time, all the time, father wants to give you good. Does that help you? Does that help how you approach him? All the time, Father wants to give you good. All the time. And then, check this out, the very end. I love this. There is no variation or shadow due to change, which means he's not moody. He's not moody. Right? Like, you ask him. I don't know. You ask him. Is he in a good mood? I don't know. Dad's not looking too happy today. I think he had a rough day at work. You ask him. I don't want to ask him. You ask him. Anyone? You're trying to, like, gauge when to hit dad up for five bucks based on his mood, right? That says there's no variation or shadow. He doesn't change, amen? He is constantly good, constantly wanting to give you good, and that Bible, that verse says, and it doesn't change. He's not going to snap at you. Get out of here. Weren't you just here yesterday, Tim? And Mark, you're done for a year. You've asked too much. He doesn't do that, right? Like, you don't have to. He says, come to the throne of grace with what? Confidence. Confidence. You can't wear him out with your asking. Amen? You can't. Right? Matthew 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? How many of you, your love language, the way you express this, is giving gifts? Anyone here? You just, you, it lights your fire to bless somebody with a gift. Anyone? At the human level, when you give a gift and you're like, and you see like your grandkids, like, doesn't it just light you up? Now multiply that infinitely by Father. If you know how to do that as a human, how much more does your Father get lit by giving you good things? You. Not the person next to you, you. Father gets lit giving you good things. Isn't that crazy? I don't know. I get excited about that. Right? We, we kind of know at the human level, he says, how much more? If you know how to do it, what about father? Father, right? 
What's the point? The point is for you, as, as we're going through this time of prayer, to really stop and reframe who you're talking to in this face-to-face time. He's Abba. He's King. And he's a good, generous, 24-7 provider. That's who you're talking to. That should radically shift your whole approach the next time you're going to have a face-to-face with him. It should calm it way down. Just calm it way down. Right? Ecclesiastes 5, 1 and 2 says this. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I love this passage. Get the symbolism. He's giving direction about how they're about to go to the house of the Lord in the presence of God. He says, hey, guard your steps. Another version says, watch your step. He's like, hey, check yourself. For us. It's like, check yourself. You're about to go into Father's presence in prayer. You're about to have a face-to-face. That verse says, check yourself. Guard your step. Be careful now. Don't just rush in. Don't just rush in. Guard your steps. Check yourself. Count to ten. What do you say? Go back to verse 1. Garrett says, guard your steps when you go to the house of God to draw near to listen. Everyone say listen. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they do not know that they are doing evil. He says, hey, when you go there, don't just do all this ritual sacrifice with no meaning. And then go off and live your life. That's what he's talking about. Go there to do what? See, for me, that's a paradigm challenge. Because usually I was raised to go there and to talk. How many of us have a face-to-face with Father, and the first priority is to turn our attention to him and who he is, and then to listen? It says there, draw near to listen. The NLT says, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. Right? The message paraphrase, pretty funny. Verse 2 says, don't shoot off your mouth or speak before you think. Don't be too quick to tell God what you think he wants to hear. God's in charge, not you. The less you speak, the better. That's the message. Kapow! The less you speak, the better. But I thought prayer was talking to God at the appropriate time. But what does it say at verse 1? Draw near to what? Listen. What is James 1.19? Every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. One writer says he's given you two ears and one mouth. What difference would it make in your life if you went to have a face-to-face with Father, but you were there to listen first? like listen how's what am i listening for how how, what does that mean well how does god speak to us primarily his word that's why you have to let the word of christ dwell in you richly you go there and you listen and foundationally he's going to speak to you through his word and i shared with this a couple weeks ago 
this prayer thing, you got to be real slow. you got to be real careful because it gets real subjective real quick. God will never, never, never tell you something in your prayer time that is contradictory or in opposition to his word. 100%. I've had people tell me, God, I, was in, I prayed about it, and God wants me to do this, and it is in direct opposition to scripture. I'm like, that was not God. Probably was you. Probably was you twisting scripture to make it say what you wanted deeply. I'm just being honest. So if you go and you, you say, I'm going to have a face-to-face with Father, but I'm drawing near to listen, you sit quietly and you let him speak to you through his word and the power of the Holy Spirit. You quiet yourself. You be still. Now for some in this room, that is so hard. So hard. In fact, we're going to have a little, just a little experiment. Um, Mark, you got a watch on, right? Okay. Can you just, you got a second counter on there? Okay. We have a radical experience for some of you right now. Just radical. Tell me when you're ready, Mark. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to close our eyes. And this is not going to get weird. I'm going to be weird. We're going to sit still for 30 seconds. You're not allowed to count. I just want you to feel it. I want you to feel it. You can close your eyes. I don't care. You can keep your eyes open. I want you to put your hand up when you feel 30 seconds as up, okay? All right, some of you are ready to cheat. You're like, Who's, uh, put your watches away. Put your, uh, see, some of you are like, already. No, I want you to see wh- how wired you are. I just want you to see how odd it is in our culture to sit still, okay? So you can close your eyes. Just try to feel 30 seconds. Mark, just tell me when, it, when it's, uh, okay, on your mark, get set. All right, right there was 30. Wake the person up next to you, because that was like, that put them to sleep. That was just like, they're so tired, 30 seconds put them to sleep. I, I was watching the hands, and it, some, there were some early birds. There were some early birds, and that's okay, and that's okay. Kind of challenging, right? How many found that kind of refreshing, though? That's what you do. You draw near to listen, to be still. Open scripture. Read scripture beforehand. Read a psalm. That's why, note to self, that's why we read the psalms at the start of the service, to focus on him so he can minister through his word on the front end. That's why I kind of do that, right? You're there to listen, right? Second Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Okay, so what are you listening for? Let me give you some practical. I'll make it real practical. So, Word of God. God speaks primarily, foundationally, through His Word of God and the Holy Spirit for teaching. So what are you listening for? Instruction in your life. This is what's right. This is what's godly. This is my will, right? Next word, reproof. You know what that is? He's calling out sin. 
He might speak to you about sin in your life based on his word. He'll reprove you if you're listening. Correction. Here's how to make it right. He'll speak to you through his word about how to make it right. Forgive that person. Confess your sin to one another. He'll show you. He'll correct it. And then training. He'll, he'll show you what to keep doing. Right? So if you're listening, there's four practical things that Father can say to you. And Raleigh will if you listen long enough. What you need to be doing. What's right. How to make it right. <laughs> how to stay right. Real practical. If you're listening. And it's all going to be biblical. But the real question is this. Are you teachable? Are you reproofable? Are you correctable? Are you trainable? Because if you're not, you're not going to be listening. That's where the rubber meets the road. If you want your prayer life to, to really deepen and, and, and really mature your faith, you've got to come to Father and say, Father, I'm listening. Teach me, reprove me, correct me, train me if need be. I'm listening. And in his goodness, he will. In his goodness, because he's good all the time, he'll start to show you these things because his will for you is your sanctification. His will is unity in his body. His will is that we love one another. His will, you see, if we'll listen to him primarily through his word, so much of the church issues will take care of themselves. So much of the fighting and the disunity in the church as a whole will take care of itself. Issues in your life will take care of themselves as you walk in obedience to what he says. Right? So you can listen to those four things. He might even say this, right? Therefore, in Matthew 6, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. If you want to listen, Matthew, that last one, keep it right there, Garrett. Seek first the kingdom of God. If you want to go to Father and you want that prayer, he might talk to you about things you've put first in your life above him. Are you ready to hear that? Because he'll talk to you. Father, I'm listening. Are you not the priority? Father, what things in my life am I seeking first other than you? Are you listening? Because he'll show it to you. He'll show it to you, right? James 4, 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You want to know why your prayers aren't being answered? Your motives. He calls it out right there. We got all excited asking you receive. We get all excited about the Matthew 7 until we come like, but wait, I'm asking. I don't seem to be getting answered. Well, this is why. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. So if you come to prayer, you come face to face with Father, you want, you want, here's, a, here's a good question to ask Father. Father, are my motives pure? Father, the things I ask you for, are they selfishly driven? And if you're listening, he'll tell you. Father, is it your kingdom come, your will be done, or am I asking you things to further my kingdom and my will? He'll show you if you want to listen to it. See how practical this is? This is just practical prayer time. Radically changes what prayer is about. Radically changes it if we'll draw near to listen. He will speak. 
and he'll be very specific about things that you do really well hiding and I do very well hiding from other people. He knows your heart. He knows your motive. He sees right through it. There's nothing hidden from his sight. That's what the Bible says. There's nothing hidden. So when you go to prayer, you listen. You're like, okay, wow, this is a lot. How do I, where do I start? Well, we're going to start where we started and we brought back to last Sunday, Romans 8. What then shall we say to these things? If, that's really since, since God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? (laughs) Go back to the cross. This is like the ultimate giving. Because, hey, he gave you Jesus when you were dead in your sins, when you were a rebel, when you hated him. He still sent Jesus. How is he not going to give you everything else you need now that you're his child? Amen? If you ever doubt God's goodness and generosity, if you ever doubt God's willingness to give you something that you need in your life, go back to Jesus. Because he gave you his son to be tortured brutally and murdered and raised up when you wanted nothing to do with him. That's how crazy good, generous our father is. What more now that you're in the family? What more? And so prayer, my heart for us, is that prayer is not just saying, but it's genuinely, genuinely praying, genuinely face-to-face with Father, King, Provider. Amen. We're going to do what we've been doing. We're going to give you a chance to sit and have a face-to-face for a minute with Father. But I encourage you, Ecclesiastes, maybe for a minute, draw near to listen. Listen for one minute. Now, have a pen and paper ready as well. Because he might say some stuff in a minute. He might say some very practical things to you in this minute that's about to happen that you need to act upon when you leave here. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, confident. And you say that we draw near to listen. You say that uh, you are a good God. And you always want to be giving what we need in your goodness. So we draw near to listen, even for a minute. Through your word, Father, would you please do what only you can do as we listen. You say that your will is our sanctification. Your will is our salvation. So maybe you'll speak to someone today to be saved put their faith in Jesus and if he speaks that to you respond put your faith in Jesus and if he speaks to you about your motives if he speaks to you about what other things you've been seeking first if he speaks to you if he speaks to you about sin and correction write it down note it and then act on it because this is how we deepen we listen and we obey we listen and we obey Father we come to a face to face with you to be still and to listen.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you this morning. And Father, hallowed be your name in this place here and now. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for your provision for us, especially Jesus. Help us, Lord God, as we come face to face with you, Lord. Help us understand, God, our dependence on you for everything. Because everything comes from you. Lord, some of us just need to pray to help us with our unbelief, God. We believe, God, but help us with our unbelief. Help us, God, to trust you more in the quiet time when we can come face to face with you. And Lord, right now, we pray. it is in heaven. Thank you, God, that you are so 